Enterprise Intelligence is a weekly video series that talks to industry experts, global thought leaders, and seasoned knowledge workers about how they're tackling their information challenges, embracing new technologies, and moving the needle on performance. Hosted by Shiny Docs founder and CEO, Jason Cassidy. Quite often, we are dealing with companies that have an absence of the strategy. They have the absence of an implemented program. And they do say, not now. And you don't put them in closed lost because no other competitor came in there and beat you out. You put it in closed deferred because you're coming back to them. They may be in a better position than in the future. It's, do you find that you see more of that than. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Losing it, it to somebody else. Yeah. Matter of fact, most, most of the prospects and companies we engage are workers. Just a couple of days ago, I talked to somebody from a thousand person life sciences company on the East coast. And she says, oh, don't you remember we worked together 10 years ago when I was at this other bigger company? I go, oh yeah, I remember you. She had been moved over this new job three or four years ago. And she also had been following us and watching our webinars and other stuff. And so most times people, we get a lot of lurkers where they're ready to go. And you can do, again, you can do everything right. And the timing's not right. And when I have a client and, I, and sometimes I have the the sponsors saying, oh, Mark, I'm sorry, we couldn't get it. I'm good. Don't apologize to me. I'll apologize. We'll, we'll get it. That's okay. We'll work it through. And don't, the, let's just ask ourselves, are we being as smart as we can? Are we presenting this as articulate as we can? Are we resonating in the best ways? The, the, the worst thing you can do, by the way, is be obscure. I mentioned about using esoteric language. Well, we have to do this because this is what the law says. Yeah, you can be right, but the law says lots of things in lots of areas that you're not all doing. And I don't see your local constable breaking down the door. That's never terribly effective. Trying to do it just by yourself is typically not effective. There's a lot of ways to be ineffective about this, to position yourself or to, or to make some grandiose claim. We're going to save $87 million per year. I'm a senior executive. I'm going to go, well, that's huge. If we could really save $87 million and they're going to go, well, why would we be the only ones doing this? How come when I go to industry conferences, I don't hear my peers talking about the same thing. Again, it's a credibility thing. So there's ways you can miscommunicate that too, but it's, there's a level of patience that you need. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it kind of leads into, we've talked about the upsides. We've talked about how, how to wade into it properly. Uh, where do these things typically go wrong for organizations? They typically go wrong because they want to create a silo. They want to take what we call an old fashioned records approach. I don't know, we're talking about information governance. They just, they want to get a schedule that's online that only has legal regulatory requirements that doesn't really fit with what the business needs. They compete instead of engaging, working with other stakeholders. Sometimes they get, they don't look at the big picture of you. They said, I've got a schedule, I'm done. And I, I like to say many, as many people say, the worst thing you can have is a records retention schedule that you don't execute. It's better to have a, it's worse to have that than no schedule whatsoever, which by the way, doesn't mean, oh, good. doesn't mean we have to do a schedule. No, I'm saying it's, you have to have something that you're actually following out there. The other really big areas is the records managers and information governance practitioners want to make it very complicated, super detailed. There's something that we call the five second rule, which is if an employee wants to save a document or a file or some element of information. And they've got to comply records retention, data security classification, including privacy, e-discovery rules and collaboration rules. They have to be able to classify, store, save, manage, tag their document or data element within five seconds or less. And if it takes longer than five seconds, most 
if some people will do it, most, at least after a while, we'll just give it up. So you've got to make it really simple. I, I like that because I've seen it all too many times where when you bring the right people to the table and they say, okay, we're going to get buy-in from the organization. They think it is the executive from a particular department by fiat saying, you must spend the 50 seconds that it takes to fill in every attribute and all that. And you must do this. And not, not, not I, I, I love the five second rule. Yeah. The 50 seconds, not going to happen. And I can tell you lots and lots of stories where fiat have fallen outrageous. We're going to delete all email. We're going to delete all email after 60 days. We're going to delete all of our emails as non-records. Wrong. Not correct. Not legally correct. We're going to delete all email after 30, 60 days because we don't need it. That's true. The vast majority of email never gets access after a period of time. Uh, I had a guy that came up to me at one of my seminars and he said, I really like what you had to say about sending work emails and files home. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, every email I get, every email I send and every document I have and every document I receive and create, I send copies of these documents to my home system. And every three months I burn a DVD and as a compliance professional, you're just, you're cringing going, well, I'm in, but as much as the biggest mistake, uh, companies make is that they try and thwart employees. They think I'm going to put down a rule. I'm going to lock down PST files. I'm going to, I'm going to prevent us, you people using USB drives, which is probably a pretty good idea. Anyway, I'm going to force them into that. And employees, if they feel like they need something to do their job are going to be incredibly resourceful in, in finding a, a work around your barrier to do what they want to do. Often these workarounds create significantly more risk and cost and just makes the problem you're trying to solve not better, but 10 times worse. And so we have to be smart about it. That doesn't mean we're going to save everything forever because that's a really bad idea. And the point is, if you're smart, intelligent programs, you can give the users what they want or just about everything that they want. You give the employees what you want. You can, this is a win for everybody on this, if you're smart. And by the way, my, my, you know, the typical refrain I hear from records managers is my employees want to save everything forever. No, actually, if you go tease out what they really want, they want certain documents for a certain period of time or this information, but there's a whole large amount of rot redundant, obsolete and trivial stuff that they don't care about. By the way, sometimes we need to compromise. Hey, this group wants to save this document 12 years, and that's completely unreasonable. And we'll come back and say, you're right. It is unreasonable. But if we let this one group save this document for 12 years, and that one document in volume comprises less than one-tenth of 1% 1 of the total uh, data store of that or document store of that organization, they're going to feel good. And then they're going to feel much better about deleting the 60 or 70 or 80% of the rot that they don't need. And so there's a, the, sometimes we want to be heavy handed purists. There's no legal regulatory requirement for keeping that long. Careful because that's how programs get unfollowed or off track. And there, again, there's a good middle ground that you could actually be smart. And by the way, companies with more smarter, flexible strategies and with real rules and real policies and schedules, I'm not saying having that but what we call a modern compliant and easier to execute schedule will be much more likely to retain less rot, i.e. they have much less data store and the stuff they do have is much higher business value versus those that try and have draconian rules that only specify legal and regulatory requirements that in, in turn drive this thing called underground archiving that I alluded to. So going back to your earlier question, smart companies are realizing, hey, we need a modern strategy. I, I can't do my old fashioned strategy.
Yeah. And sometimes you, you gotta look not to be pejorative, but you gotta let the baby have their bottle. If it's something that they really want, they really need, and it's not going to cost you that much. And what's the harm in, in letting it proceed? That's right. And we sometimes get on our high horse saying there's no, we're, but we're consensus built. We're finding the middle. We're get finding balance, whatever term you want to use. We're the Goldilocks. And by the way, once you get there, you can still over time, you can go back a year later saying, you barely use this a lot. Are you sure you really need this? And there's an element of savviness about doing this that makes it very successful versus the legal group that says we have the policy authority to tell you what to do. And they do. And they will tell people specifically what to do and not to save anything except for the legal group, of course, and they're an exception. And then people will still save stuff. They'll just do it in a very non-compliant, insecure, high-risk way that causes more problems. One, one thing that you poked at over the last five minutes or so is this idea that the compliance and records managers come with their rules, their taxonomy, their data, and they try to impose it on the organization. Meanwhile, you got a lot of organizations pouring a huge amount into master data management, normalizing the front of the business and those data policies at the front end. Would it make more sense to have the information governance practitioner latch on earlier to those master data management in the business processes so that they're speaking the business language first? This is how we layer on or how, how do you find the middle ground? It's a very nuanced answer. So first of all, we believe that information governance is separate, but complementary to data governance. And that's a big stumbling block. Hey, we're already doing this. We got a data governance project. No, typically data governance is about structured data and leveraging large data warehouses and making big answers. Information governance, in our view, is about records compliance and litigation readiness and individual employee productivity, as well as assisting, ensuring privacy and, and proper data management. So I be careful about that. I do believe that good information drives that. I think what the key you're issuing on is we need to retain for two things. We need to retain for legal and regulatory compliance. We've got that. If, if we have a rule that says we have to keep this seven years, we want to follow that. But the other thing is we want to identify business value. And business value may be valuable to me as an employee. It may be valuable as a data governance person because it will allow me to collect this information. And so we want to go in and talk to people and understand what has real business value. Now be careful because if we have too much stuff, everything's of value, we're actually going on the other side because now we're creating e-discovery risk, definitely privacy risk. We are driving up storage costs and quite frankly, we're hurting productivity tremendously because if you got too much clutter, you can't find anything. So how do we find that? So I think the philosophy is good information governance works well with data governance. We all try and seek understanding and incorporate not only legal and regulatory requirements, but what is business value? We try and reflect those in our policies and schedules. And if we do that well from an information governance, that makes the world of data governance much easier. And so we're seeing a lot of that. I think there's some cases where the information governance people can, in a sense, be like the matrix style oracle for their organization saying, I have a real good sense of where the business value, where the data is that complements that business value. If they take that little extra to align with the front of the business while ensuring that they are doing their diligence. And by the way, what you just prescribed is one of the key attributes of the most successful information governance professionals, which is that they are really good ambassadors. 
They're ambassadors with the other stakeholders. They work with legal and litigation and privacy and IT and data governance and audit and risk and compliance. And we can all the different, they're really good at working with other stakeholders. They're really good at working with the business units saying, hey, what do you want to do? What makes sense? And so when they come up with a policy or a strategy, they've evangelized it and they get the different business units to be able to get on board. They're really good, quite frankly, socializing this with senior management. They've, we've talked about that, presenting something in a clear and concise way. And so I, I work with a number of our clients that have some fantastic people at this that I watch them operate and I go, gosh, you're really good at this. Too often we want to look at just the legal and regulatory compliance and record keeping skill. And that's important. I don't want to, I don't want to just diminish that. Or we'll look at the e-discovery skill. That's very important. Or we'll look at the technology skills and that's really important. But I oftentimes assist our clients in helping them hire people. And we look and say, don't forget about this ability to be a good ambassador. And that may be one of the more important skills that you have out there. It's something that I don't necessarily see by default in the, like the AIM certification and the ARMA work that's out there. And I'm not saying that they don't make a great deal of importance out of it, but it's not really part of the baseline training. If you're, when you get a library sciences degree, it's, it's not necessarily implied to be a social thing. It's implied to be a technical or scientific rank. Right. So it seems like it's, and, it's a level up for people. And I look at ARMA principles. This is the point Mark gets in trouble, by the way. I look at ARMA principles. I look at what AIM's doing. I look at the different certifications. Too many of these certification programs are inwardly focused. They say, what kind of records group should I have? Is my records group at the right maturity? Is my architecture the right? And that's the wrong question. The right question is, how is my activities in my group impacting the whole organization? How are we reducing risk, lowering cost, ensuring proper data security, which is part of lowering risk? How are we making employees more collaborative and productive? How is what we're doing? Let's measure what we're doing out there. So instead of some of these frameworks that look inward, how is what we're doing? Can we measure how we're really impacting the organization? Cause that's what senior management cares about. They don't care about is our records organization mature or not. What they want to know is, is our information management practices and what we do as a company mature. And that's the big step that the more senior people that I work with have made. I agree. And I don't think you got yourself in too much trouble there because I, I really believe that these organizations and Arma and others are promoting this. It's just really, it is softer skills. It's hard to put right. that into a certification program and that. So it's something that perhaps we can help people level up as, as we talk about what truly makes them successful. When we do a consulting engagement, we say, Hey, listen, we work with some, you know, you, you know we get, we get there and sometimes we get some records managers like, Oh, what, who are you going to, I'm right. What's going on here? We're like, Hey, you are welcome to accompany every step along the way. You are, we're not going to be a black box. You can see how we put this together. We can see how we build it and we want it. You don't have to, you may have your day job, but if you want to participate in this whole process, we'd love to have you do that. And, and we go to their manager and say, you may want to have them do this because at some point I'll go back to what I said very early. These are the people that they're going to have to fly the plane and our ability to imbibe some of this stuff onto them is going to make them more successful. And by the way, a little secret is. We learn an awful lot from our clients. We, we see all these different varieties and skills and other stuff. And so it's really a two-way street when we're hanging out with them. And we, I, again, we work with some really good people. 
who we go, that's a smart way of doing it. I didn't think about that before. So it becomes collaborative. And again, that's where some of the best people we work with are. Thanks a lot. I, I, today I've been talking to Mark Diamond. He's an information governance thought leader and the CEO of Conturo. And how can people find you, Mark? So um, happy to email me, Mark Diamond. That's one word, M-A-R-K-D-I-A-M-D-I-A-M-O-N-D at Contoural, C-O-N-T-O-U-R-A-L. That's the word contour with an apple, A-L, applelarry.com. Or just go to our website, www. as you'd guess, Contoural, C-O-N-T-O-U-R-A-L.com. Everything that I talked about, we have got like 150 hours of recorded webinars. We've got dozens and dozens of white papers. And if you want help on finding any one of these topics, send us an email. We're happy. And this is all free resources. We've got a tremendous amount. Or if you just, if you're facing a problem or a challenge or Mark, I heard I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Give us a call. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to get on the phone and talk with somebody for an hour. We're not going to charge you for that. Just to, to figure out how you may approach something. We're not, I'm not so important. I'm more than happy to go talk to somebody and just work through some of the issues. Any of those help us keep connected to you too. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it very much.